0: And I'm really excited that I got to be part of this. I saw the announcement a month or so ago that they were going to be doing the Paramitas, um, a study of each of these qualities, because it's one of my favorite teachings. I really, really like them. And uh, they're these qualities that um, the Paramitas are perfections, these qualities that are said are needed to attain enlightenment. And the nice part about these are they're really accessible to the householder, to the layperson. You don't have to be a monastic in order to, and practice, you know, most of the day and go on three-month retreats every year in order to uh, 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 connect with these or develop these qualities. And so that's why I really, really like it. And um, so, so far, the six paramitas, if you haven't been here or if you've forgotten, are generosity, ethics... Ethical behavior, patience, always a good one, uh, energy, meditation or mindfulness, and wisdom, really sweet, simple. And you know, if, if, if you've been coming at all, or if you're familiar with Buddhist teachings, they're not unique. These are found in many, many, many teachings, it's just that these are in this particular um, basket and they all support each other. They're not discreet, discreet and standalone. But the it's like with all the teachings. I really love it. They all support each other, and they, um, the you, you you need one for the other, and then this one supports this one in this way, and then that one comes into play with this one. So it's it's this interconnectedness of all these teachings. We don't just you know just carry one banner and win. We really have to be. Um, broad and well-rounded and balanced. It's a it's a beautiful way to look at these teachings. I, I'm I, I'm always um, always quite um, I don't know in, impressed or touched or blown away maybe by how wise and skillful all these teachings um, or most of these teachings are. And so, energy virya is the word in Pali is, uh, I, it's great because i am you know, I've been practicing for a while and for a long time, I thought all I would do is kind of sit and meditate and magic stuff would happen. I, not really magic stuff, but I just kind of sit and, you know, open my eyes and, or close my eyes and open my hands and magic pixie dust would happen. And it took a while for me to realize that actually, um, it's about guiding our minds. It's not about willing our minds. It's about really taking an active role in changing how we see the world and changing how we react to the world or respond to the world. And. Um, we have to wisely guide our minds on a path towards liberation and freedom and away from samsara and away from greed and hatred and ignorance. In fact, I just did a retreat last week, a 10-day retreat with Bhikkhu alio on the Satipatthana Sutta, which is the teaching on mindfulness meditation. And we spent... 3 days on the awakening factors and one of the awakening factors is energy. So it was really 3 days of seeing how we we really have an impact on how we can show up with our minds. And in fact that was the you know just a little bit of the meditation instruction this this afternoon was make the effort bring the energy to let go of the thinking and come back to the present. Really, really, really an important part of this. And uh, I like a quote that Bhikkhu Analio has in his book, Satipatthana Sutta a Practice Guide. If, if you're not familiar with it, it's really excellent. It's it's very, very accessible and talks about the, you know, really a deep dive into this practice of mindfulness. And when he talks about energy, he says it's persistence in the sense of an active and continuous engagement with what we're doing and experiencing. It's a continuous and active engagement and, uh, with what we're doing and experiencing. It means we pay attention. You know, it's like the Buddha's the Buddhist, uh, um, instruction. When you're sitting, know you're sitting. When you're breathing in, know you're breathing in. I like to say, when you're brushing your teeth, know you're brushing your teeth. It takes an effort to pay attention. And how often do we not pay attention? Every time I brush my teeth, I'm somewhere else. It's not hard to not pay attention. So it's really important to bring this quality of energy. Ajahn Suchito, another monk uh, teacher, uh, wrote a book about the paramis. Paramitas are the Mahayana version, and then there's the paramis, which are the same thing but a a Theravada version, and there's 10 qualities. But uh, Ajahn Suchito wrote a book called Crossing the Flood about these qualities and about energy. He says it's stewarding resources. So, they're wisely. It's a, Energy is a wisely applied resource that resists the pull of psychological habits. It resists the pull of these psychological habits. And these psychological habits are our conditioned thoughts. It's our patterns. It's the way we think. It's how we were conditioned by the world to react to our circumstances that have been um, solidified and codified, and, and become these well-worn patterns and grooves through how we move through the world. It's um, it's our ways of thinking and behaving that we don't question. And so, it's his energy is necessary to uh, to work against this reactivity. It's an antidote to reactivity. It's a way we go. Whoa! Wait a minute. What's going on here? And because if we don't, we're just like lost in that stream, that, that path of least resistance. Um, Joseph Goldstein talks about virya, and he says it's tran- Virya the word, word he says it's translated in many different ways in the suttas. Uh, effort, energy, strength, courage, vigor, perseverance, and persistence. And at its most basic, it's a capacity to do something a capacity to do something so we're not just sitting there like Bleh, um, bumps on a log we are actually have agency in our lives and we can have an impact on our life by the energy and effort we bring to it so we see it shows up in a lot of different ways energy in and of itself is not necessarily beneficial it doesn't necessarily take us in a wholesome direction um, because I know, I'm sure you all have experienced a lot, you, I know I've had a lot of experience being really energized over doing something that's not very nice, you know, or, um, uh, yeah, I can, I can get a lot of energy into being not nice or being nasty, not so much anymore, thankfully, but in my Um, Prior days, I could bring a lot of energy to being really sarcastic and really sharp and cutting and manipulative, um, whether I realized it or not. So that energy is not necessarily good. And and the Abhidhamma says it's a variable mental quality, which can be used for wholesome or unwholesome um, actions. The same with mindfulness. It's not necessarily always beneficial because we can mindfully bring energy to doing not nice things. You see people who are incredibly dedicated to being awful and causing harm. So what you need to bring to this energy or what this energy needs is a real solid grounding in ethics and ethical behavior, which coincidentally is one of the paramis. It was, you know, they talked about a couple of weeks ago. Ethical behavior, this grounding in integrity. You know, it's, it's one of the factors in the Eightfold Path. It's one of the, the Sila ethical behavior, is, is one of the pieces of the Eightfold Path, which is wise action and wise speech and wise livelihood. It's not killing. It's not causing harm. It's not, it's um, being wise with our speech, not taking what's not offered. So having this really solid ground underneath us, supports our energy so that if we're like kind of m- moving in a direction, if we have a solid ground in ethics and integrity, we can have some trust that we're going to be moving towards a benefit in a, in a, in a, in a wholesome way, in a, in a way that's skillful and not going to cause harm. It's really important. Um, we have to make sure that our intention Is solid and the ethical, ethical understanding is really clear. And we have to investigate sometimes, does this, is this for the benefit of me or others? And I don't mean in a selfish way, but it's like, is it not going to cause harm? That's what I mean, beneficial. Not like, am I going to get mine, screw you. That's, that's the unethical way. It's like, is this, is this of benefit in the world? Does it take us away from suffering? or towards suffering so that's really important Um, sometimes we have to look at what is driving this you know we have to really look deeply at at what we're doing sometimes we can do something um, that seems really lovely like sure I'll take you to the airport I'll take you to LAX no problem or I'll do X Y or Z for you but What's the intention behind it? Am I doing it out of generosity, which funny is another one of the paramitas? Am I doing it out of generosity, or am I doing it because I want something in return? You know, I was thinking about this the other day, and I thought back. So what popped into my head is something I hadn't thought about in really a long time. When I was a little kid, I would. There were two candy stores near a couple of blocks away in either direction, I grew up in New York City, and I would ask friends, I'd say, will you, if you walk me to the store, I'll buy you a candy bar, and I wasn't doing it because I was so generous, I was doing it to bribe them, because I thought if if I didn't bribe them, they wouldn't go with me, so it was manipulation, driven by fear, driven by worry. At a young age but that kind of stuff gets ingrained and that's how we learn how to move through the world and we have to learn to um, really pay attention to what's underneath you know the outcome might seem generous and skillful and wise but what's the intention behind it you know we have to see if we're driven by fear or driven by anger driven by one of the defilements you know, making sure we get what we need to be okay. Like Ajahn Suchito says, those, those psychological habits that have us in their grip. What's, what's driving us that's really important to make sure that this energy we bring is wholesome and moving in the right direction, moving in a wise and skillful direction. And hopefully this investigation brings some clarity And hopefully it helps us disentangle habits and misperceptions. You know, and energy is really, and energy is needed to do this investigation of energy. So it's really, you know, this keeps building upon itself. We can have a baseline intention of wanting to end suffering and then take it from there. That Our intention is to do good, and then we have to bring energy to making sure we stay moving in that direction. So, um, yeah, that's that, that, that energy that builds upon the energy that keeps us going in the correct direction. Um, oh, this is a quote I was looking for e- the other day, and it was right in front of my face. What we attend to, what we pay attention to, is what we energize. And what is energized governs the world, so it's imperative that we fully see and source fully see and understand the source of our energy and effort. You know we attend to what we pay, we attend to what we energize, so we have to make sure that is going in the the, the wholesome direction. Um, When we are applying energy it's not about brute force or really struggle or striving. The striving is a word that's in the suttas a lot for but sometimes for me, striving means like this tense holding on and like I gotta pound and make sure it happens. Which is not what this this energy is about. Um, rather it's a wise or a balanced energy or sustained wise endeavor. Um, you know you think sometimes the the force of our thoughts is like really strong. And our minds travel in the path of least resistance that that, you know, the the thought comes and there we go. And it takes a lot of effort to to let go of that. In fact, I have sometimes had arguments with myself in my head over letting go of things. It's like, Mary, you're doing that again. Stop it. It's like, no, no, this is really important. I need to do this. No, no, it's just made up. And I'm just like going off in my head and and just going down all these directions. And it's sometimes it's easier to just go down that path because it's the path of least resistance. So we think we need to hit it over we need to hit something over the head with a baseball bat. I have to get this right. I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna meditate and damn it, it's gonna be good and I'm gonna be present. Ah! I don't know if I've had that experience sometimes. I've gotta get it right. It's it's also a cultural thing in, in our society. It's like gotta do it, gotta get it right. You know who is it? Vince Lombardi. Winning isn't everything; it's the only thing. It's like that's a really awful bar that sets up perfectionism, which is a is a recipe for failure because no one's perfect. So instead of this baseball bat, we we practice this relaxation. We practice um, this this letting go. It's that was the instruction I gave, which. I really, really, really like, it's like, um, relax the body, relax the mind, and just open into awareness, open into what's right here, you don't have to beat up that thought, it's just when you recognize you're caught in it, just open back, just reconnect to what's right here, what's this moment, what's this moment, Um, I was on a long retreat a number of years ago. And the first two weeks were very, very sweet. They were very sweet. And I was really happy because they were very sweet. And the teachers kept saying, don't worry, it'll change. But I was like in this really sweet spot. And then all of a sudden it started to change. But I wasn't aware that it was changing. I was feeling it was changing, but I wasn't aware of it. And what I was doing was trying to get back to the sweet spot. It was starting to be uncomfortable and dark. And and um, there was one afternoon or one day at one practice period, I was in the, um, in the Dharma hall. And when I finally kind of woke up or came into awareness, I was hunched over on my cushion. My jaw was clenched, I think. My fingers were grabbing my thighs. I was like, ah, one of those, like really, really grabbing. And Trying to get back. I felt like I was behind a theater curtain, which are really thick and heavy, and I was trying to get to the other side of the theater curtain. I couldn't find the gap to get through. I was just pushing, pushing, pushing. And all of a sudden I realized it's like, oh, I'm trying to go somewhere else instead of be right here. So once there was that moment of awareness, I let go of that striving. It's like there's the energy was to let go, the energy was to bring myself back and be with the reality of this present moment. You know, and Joseph Goldstein has a similar story when he was in Southeast Asia and he had a and he had been in um, a long state of ease and comfort in his practice and he went back to the states and then when he came back to the monastery he struggled he said for 2 years to get back to that place he had been before he went home and it's and it's um it's extraordinary that we get caught up in that because it's not like the future the past it's practice even but we have to bring the energy to recognize and let go and be the energy to just stay put is incredibly difficult sometimes it's incredibly difficult and um that's when effort can be found in courage. And courage is, you know, the ability to be uncomfortable, the ability to be with what is, to sit with unease. You know, because we begin to recognize we're constantly pursuing pleasure. You know, and sometimes we are, um, it's courageous to, you know, see that maybe the stories we've told ourselves about ourselves are not necessarily true and to let the energy and effort and courage to let that stuff fall away, the persistence it takes to be with the discomfort because we're not trained. We're trained to find the pleasure and it's also, you know, this autopilot response as human beings, go for the good, lose the unpleasant, but we have to be with it doesn't mean we're not afraid but we're impo- we're powered by this excuse me this intention and this faith and this knowledge of what is the right path so we have this wisdom this clarity which is developing by seeing things for what they are saying oh man this is that story that I'm buying. We've become familiar with our habitual patterns. We've become familiar with our stories. And so we are willing to let go of the story. We're let, willing, willing to look and see what's right here. This is when I think you can really um, find refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. You know, the refuge in the Dharma is refuge in the way it is. As unpleasant as it may be, can we be right here? One of my favorite topics and the lens through which I try and look at the world is an undefended heart. And that's a place of effort and courage, an effort to sit with what scares us, that place of vulnerability. Uh, Vulnerability simply means being uncomfortable. What scares us the most and are we willing to drop the armor around our hearts so that we can open to whatever is right here without preference? That is what persistence is, the effort it takes to be true, to be real, to be open, to let go of those stories, those attachments to things that used to work for us or things we think work for us, ideas we think will fix us, plans that have to come to fruition, expectations. We let go of all of that and we just open to what's right here can we be with this can we be with right now you know in the Eightfold Path uh, energy or effort is one of the factors it's in it's in the concentration basket there's wise effort and, and mindfulness and concentration Samadhi collectedness um, and it's incredibly important these four these four efforts these four wise efforts it's also it's the same word virya these four efforts um, we make the effort to guard against unwholesome states arising we recognize what's taking us towards sin, suffering we recognize when we're lost in greed and anger or ignorance we recognize those stories those age-old patterns we get caught up in. I mean, if we, really, if we really come down to it and make the effort, we can see. We, if we're really being honest with ourselves, we have to go, yeah, there I am again. Without shame, without guilt, just recognizing that this stuff is really hard to let go of, which is why energy is so difficult and important. So we, we recognize um, we make the effort to guard against unwholesome or unskillful states. And when they do arise, we make the effort to let them go. Oh, caught up in that thinking again. <sighs> let go. Not hit over the head with a baseball bat, but just release and come back to what's right here. And that the the other side of these two efforts or four efforts is to make the make an effort To arouse and maintain the wholesome states, what's wise, what's skillful. How do we, how do we, how do we, what does that feel like? That's a really important one. And to maintain those wholesome states of mind, those those states of mind that have a beneficial impact. That, so those are those two things. Recognize and let go of what's not working, what's not wise and cultivating and and maintaining what is wise and what is skillful. It's incredibly important. And this is the balancing job. This is what we do when we come to, when we bring energy to the practice. Um, And one of the ways to see this is as in juxtaposition to the hindrances, which are um, uh, lust, and aversion, and restlessness, and worry, or, or dullness, sloth, and torpor, and doubt, when those five things, any of those five things are present, it's a barrier to awakening, it's a barrier to liberation, and so that's what we have to make an effort to recognize when we're caught in anger, or we're caught in restlessness, or worry, and to learn how to let go of those, and then cultivate the wholesome qualities, which in the teaching of the Satipatthana, the other side of that is the, the qualities of awakening, which is mindfulness and investigation and effort or energy and joy and tranquility and, and, um, and uh, equipoise or balance. Recognize what it feels like not to be caught up in difficult emotions and, and unwholesome qualities. Recognize what it feels like to be joyful. So this is what I was doing in this retreat last week, spending three days, um, one day in recognizing the hindrances and then three days in the awakening factors and bringing balance to the mind, recognizing that if we're moving, if the mind started moving off into this agitation or restlessness, to bring it back, make, bring the effort, make the effort to bring it back to this balance, this equipoise. This not—it's like riding a bicycle um, or steering a steering steering something, steering a car. You don't just ride your bicycle and go straight. You have to adjust as the road and everything um, comes at you. You have to make sure you keep your balance. Otherwise, it's very easy to fall over. You have to pay attention. I always think about yoga. You know, if you're doing a balancing thing and you're standing on one leg and then all of a sudden your mind wanders, it's very easy to fall over. I have done that. I'm like, damn it, I'm supposed to be paying attention. Otherwise, I fall over. And it's the same thing. So it's about paying attention to when you're, what it feels like to be caught up in these things and to let them go and to cultivate, bring the energy to cultivate the joy, the balance, the ease. The tranquility that comes with not being caught up in these these unwholesome states. Um, The Buddha said that everything in life is a consequence of causes and conditions. And these four efforts... The letting go of unwholesome states, recognizing not letting them show up or letting them go when they're there, and then maintaining and cultivating the wholesome states. He said, everything in life is a consequence of causes and conditions, and these four efforts are meant to help us develop the causes and conditions for peace, stability, joy, and openness. In other words, moving towards freedom and liberation. These paramitas are a path to liberation. The Eightfold Path is a path to liberation. These are all qualities needed to be free. There's a pattern here. I see it. Um, There's a line in the Dhammapada that says, With steady effort, one should do what is to be done, because a lax practitioner stirs up even more dust. And that makes me think of, you know, the teaching when the Buddha was um, newly awakened and he said, I'm not going to teach because people just have too much dust in their eyes. And then the, the, he was invited to recognize that there are some people who have just a little dust in their eyes and just need a little bit of teaching, a little bit of effort, and the, the, they will awaken. But if we're lax and we're not practicing, that dust builds up, and we don't see anything, it's like the teaching around the hindrances, the Buddha taught, when he taught the hindrances, he said um, that when we're caught in lust, it's like a clear bowl of water that has dye put into it, our perspective is wrong, we don't see things right, because the water is, a, is not clear, or if we're caught up in um, anger, it's like the water is boiling, you can't see anything clearly, you can't look at yourself clearly in boiling water, and if we're caught up in um, uh, restlessness and worry, it's like wind on water. It's just blowing it again. There's no stillness to see clearly. And my favorite, or least favorite, is if you're caught in sloth and torpor, it's like when there's algae on water. I used to go tubing a lot, and we always, I always want to stay away from the, the pond scum. It was like, ew, gross. So that's like when you're stuck in that... Dead water with just that stuff growing on it, and then um, doubt is like muddy water. There, you just can't see anything. So that's uh, what happens when you are a lax practitioner. It gets you can't see. It stirs up this this stuff that keeps you from seeing clearly. So you, with a steady effort, one should do what is to be done. So that is. that is is a really important part of effort, and that this what I've been talking about so far, um, for the most part, is this internal practice. This internal practice of looking at our own. Um, conditions, our own habits, our own patterns, and really making the effort to move away from those that just are not beneficial and to be more wise and skillful in how we move through the world and how we respond to the world. We learn to respond rather than react. And in this um, in this teaching, I think there's also an important point to be made that we have to make it external. In the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha talks throughout much of it about internally and externally, internally and externally. And and internally is internally, but externally is how we move in the world. Because we don't just live in a cave or in a closet Um, Although for me, that sounds really nice sometimes. Just let me sit in a closet for a week and I'll be good. But we are are part of the world. As much as we think we're separate, whether intentionally or subconsciously, we are interconnected with every other person, with all things. We can see this right now with climate change. I mean, it's in our face every minute, every day. We're interconnected with every being. Um, it's really important to recognize that. And so this we have to recognize or learn how to use our energy as we move through the world and make sure that we're using it wisely. Make sure that we're doing what we can. Um, this is where I, I, I really like the idea of the Bodhisattva. there's the the Bodhisattva vow about not necessarily foregoing your own liberation until all beings are liberated, but that 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 intention to be of service and help to others, you know, um beings are numberless, I vow to save them all. You know, that's a high, high bar, but the intention to be kind and helpful to all is really important, and so how do I use my energy to show up for good? How am I generous? That's generosity. You know, seeing things clearly with wisdom, that's another paramita. How can I help? And taking care of ourselves at the same time so that we don't burn out. Again, it's a balancing of our energy. It's a balancing of how we show up. It's a balancing of how we move through the world. How do we engage with, with others? Um, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about, you know, the fifth precept is not to ingest um, um, intoxicants that lead to heedlessness. And Thich Han talks about the fifth precept about watching everything we ingest, watching what we read, watching what we listen to. I mean, you can, there's a, any number of ways we can overload on media right now, and it can be quite debilitating and not helpful for ourselves or for others. And so to take care of ourselves as we engage outwardly in the world, finding that balance of what's enough, what's, what, how much energy is right, how much effort is right, and it's just enough. And only you know that answer for yourself, or only you can find that answer for yourself, but it's a really important one to recognize. In fact, you know what, I think I have it on my desktop. I'm going to take a second to look and see if I do. Um, Mushim Patricia, okay, what's her, Mushim, Mushim who's up at um, uh, East Bay Meditation Center, posted this on her uh, so, uh, Facebook page a couple of weeks ago. And it's, a, it's like another Bodhisattva vow. And she says, aware of suffering and injustice, I, my name, I'm working to create a more just, peaceful, and sustainable world. I promise for the benefit of all to practice self care, mindfulness, healing, and joy. I vow not to burn out. So, aware of suffering and injustice, I'm working to create a more just, peaceful, and sustainable world, and I vow not to burn out. So, it's really important. Again, it's that balance. It's that balance of working to support others and taking care of ourselves so energy is extremely important apply it when necessary and pull back when not necessary so much so um, I think that might be all I have to say about this and so may you find just enough energy and effort to find your way to liberation and the end of samsara